Good to be here again today. Nice to see your faces. And now that I said something, I see more smiling faces, so that's good. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit later about why that's really good for me that I get to see some smiling faces. So thank you very much for that. Um, before I get into the word, let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for your word today. I thank you for life. I thank you for love. I thank you for Jesus Christ. Lord, right now, this morning, I want to share some things about, about healing. And Father, I ask that you would just be here in our midst today as the comforter, as the healer. Lord, that the Holy Spirit would, would have his way and bring healing and comfort to many of us that are hurting or that are struggling with different things. God, would you just... Father, would you have your way? Would you rebuke the devil? Would you rebuke the distractions? And God, would you just work in our hearts and our minds and, and in our bodies, Lord, the things that you would have happen. I ask that you would just help me to be out of the way of your message and that your words would be clear and understood and that you would receive all glory. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a... A lot of talk about, about healing, about health, um, about a lot of things that are very important to each and every one of us and why we're even here today. Um, I'm going to talk about, about healing, but maybe not in the way that a lot of us might be expecting. I'm not just going to be talking about physical healing, but going to be talking about, about healing as a person, and that's in all three parts, in the body, the mind and in the spirit. And let's uh, open, our body, or open our Bibles to Matthew 4, verse 23. It says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria. And they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, those that were possessed with devils, those which were lunatic and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. Jesus healed them. These are not just physical issues. These are physical, mental, and spiritual problems that these people were, were dealing with, but he healed them. The ones that came, he healed them. A few years ago when I was in Bible school and in a class, it was called Spiritual Formation. And in this class, three hours, uh, every... I think it was one day a week, I'm not sure what day it was. It was three hours every morning, once a week. That doesn't even make sense. Three hours once a week in the morning that we had this class. And this class, this one day, was, it, was, it was all about, the entire three hours was about, about healing and about sickness, I should say. And sickness, we were talking about how sickness is not the direct result every single time of somebody's sin. Now, it can be the direct result of somebody's sin, but it is not always the case. We spent three hours looking through one example after another after another of where this sickness, this disease, this problem, this situation was not the result of somebody's specific sin. And, uh, and then after this, we had a guest speaker in the evening who uh, spent over an hour preaching that every single time there's a sickness or a disease, every single time without fail, 
it is the result of that person's sin. And I was sitting listening, and I could hardly stay in my seat, and I was biting my, 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 my lips, biting my tongue, thinking I need to get up and say something. And a few people over for me was, was the teacher who taught the class earlier that day, Dr. Platt, and he, he, we made eye contact, and he looked at me, and he just went, you know, a tiny little shake of the head, don't do it. He knew what was in my mind. He knew what I was thinking that I wanted to do. So I'm like, okay, okay, if he could sit through this, I can sit through this. So, but he kept going and, and he was just hitting it so hard. There is never a time where somebody is sick and it's not their sin that caused it. And I, I and again, my teacher's like, no, just don't. So I let it go. I let it go. But I'm telling you, Sickness and disease is not always, can it be? Yes, but it is not always directly the result of your or your parents' sin. It is not always the case. The greatest example of this is the Apostle Paul. In Acts 19, verse 11, it says, And Paul performed many miracles by his own hands. Is that what it says? And Paul performed many miracles by his own hands. No. It says, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. God did the miracle through Paul. It wasn't, God, or it wasn't Paul who just of himself went and did these things. It was God did these miracles through Paul. So that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Just simply a handkerchief or an apron that he had worn was powerful enough to bring healing to someone. He didn't even have to pray over them or say anything. God did amazing miracles through Paul, even through Paul's clothing. His accessories, if you want to call a handkerchief an accessory, right? I mean, when I've just blown my nose with a handkerchief, I don't think that's going to bring anybody healing. But a handkerchief even brought healing God can perform whatever miracle he wants to do through whatever vessel he chooses to do it, especially when it's an obedient one. God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. It wasn't Paul himself. And yet, Paul had his own thorn in the flesh. He had his own thorn in the flesh that he asked God multiple times if he would remove it. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7 uh, to 10, it says this, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. See, Paul realized, Paul realized God gave him so many amazing revelations that most of us may never have. God gave Paul special revelations, showed him amazing things, and he realized and recognized this, and he, and he recognizes that in this situation that God gave him a thorn in the flesh. It says, Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. So God allowed this thorn in, his, in the flesh for him, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, Three times he asked God that it might depart from him. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. 
Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Isn't it almost sad, though, when God reveals something to us or takes us through something and we come out excited, victorious, and we're just praising God that sometimes we need something that keeps us humble? If only we could remember, even in those moments, it's God who did it. It wasn't me. Um, but even Paul, and I believe he was a humble person, recognized he needed this to keep him humble. But then he goes on even beyond that, not just as it going to not just am I going to be humble about it, but he says, I'm going to glory in my infirmities. Have you ever gone through a job finding club or gotten help making a, a resume or been trained on how to behave and respond in an interview? Can you imagine writing out your resume with everything that you really aren't good at and you hand it over here? This is my list of things that I really stink at, but you should hire me. No, <laughs> we don't glory in the things that we're weak in. We glory where we have a strength, and we promote that, and we share that. And especially when we're getting hired, we maybe over-talk it a little bit. The boss will find out soon enough. But we're not going to glory in our infirmities. But Paul here is saying this is what he did. He gloried in his infirmities. But for what reason? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore... Therefore, because he revealed, he was, he was given so much revelation, because he was given so much revelation, because he recognized that fact, because God allowed a thorn in the flesh, because of these things, and because he gloried in the infirmities, therefore, I take pleasure, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong." When we're weak, through Christ we're strong. Jesus healed those that had all these different diseases. God wrought miracles through Paul, even through his clothing, and he brought healing to these people. Now, some people who say that, uh, some people who say that, well, Sickness and, and suffering, it's all just part of how it, how it is. And, you know, they try to bring evolution into the Bible and say that God created the world in, in six million years or whatever it might be. And there's all this suffering and decaying and hurting. And at the end of this creation week, it says in Genesis 1 verse 31 that God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. If you bring sin and suffering and hurt all into those, that time period before Jesus says it's very good, I have a problem with that. I don't see that that's possible. Sin, suffering, hurting, and pain, are they the result of sin? Yes, they are. If there was no sin ever on this earth, there would be no suffering or pain or hurting. So I'm not contradicting myself. There's a difference. All pain and hurting is the result of sin, but it's because of the fallen world that we're in. It could be because of my personal sin and my personal uh, wrongdoings that I'm suffering in a certain way. Yes, 
But in general, all hurting and pain and suffering is a result of sin because of the fallen world. When God created the world, there was no sin, no sickness. There was nothing like that. Um, in Romans 8, verse 19 to 21, we see that even the creation today is groaning in anticipation of redemption. Even creation today, the creature that was created in nature is groaning and looking forward to that redemption. 1 Peter 2, verse 19 talks about that we will suffer, but let's suffer for the right things. When we were in Bible school, we heard a testimony of a, of a couple that their entire lives, they lived their entire lives in poor health. They were sick, sickly, or weak, basically their entire lives. But so many people came to them for help, and they were healed, whether it be emotionally or, or spiritually or physically, just by their ministry. But they themselves were not healthy. In John 11, verse 4, Jesus says, when, he, when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Some sickness is specifically to bring God glory. If you've never heard the pineapple story, I recommend that you listen to it. The story is better from Otto directly than from me. But I'm just going to share a little bit about one time when he was going to be preaching in front of a group of people and, and he fell ill and he was on a bed and really, really sick, couldn't really move. And a woman came and began praying over him. And I might have the order wrong, but you can listen to the story and get it the right way. The gist of it was this woman started praying over him. And as she's praying over him, she says, is this sickness unto death? And Otto started getting really uncomfortable. What? <laughs> and she continued praying then after a little bit, is this si sickness uh, because of sin? And again, he's uncomfortable, like, well, what if there is sin in my life that needs to be dealt with? And then she continued praying, said, or is this sickness to the glory of God? And, and then she felt that that was what, what it was, and she prayed, and he was healed. And he could go and do what God wanted him to do. Listen to the story from, from Otto Koning, it's better. But is this sickness to the glory of God? Is this weakness in our life actually there for the glory of God? Well, then let's have grace like Paul, that we can not only accept it, but we can thrive in it and through it, and that God would receive the glory. But if it's not for that, what can we do about it? Talking about that, Luke 13, verse 1 to 5, it says this. It says, there were present that season some that told him about the Galileans, and they're talking to Jesus, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Absolutely abominable, horrible. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Or those eighteen, upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. When Jesus was walking by the way and, and there was someone either blind or sick beside and he says to his disciples, what do you think? Or the disciples asked him, is it because of his sin or is it because of his parents' sin that this happened to him? And Jesus' response was neither, 
this man's sickness is for the glory of God, and he healed him. And except we repent, we shall all likewise perish. Is it just those that are the greatest sinners that suffer such things? No. Matthew 4, verse 23 and 24, I'm going to read these verses again. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. Three different kinds of sicknesses here affecting our three different parts that make us a whole. We have a physical body, that's obvious. We have a mind, our soul, which is part of our, our mind, our will, and our emotions, and we have a spirit. And here Jesus is dealing with all three kinds of sicknesses, talking about, about diseases and the palsy, which are, are sicknesses that affect your body, talking about torments and lunatic, mental, and issues that affect the soul, talking about possession, dealing with the spirit. Three kinds of sicknesses. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23, it reads, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, as a whole person, sanctify, set you apart, wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The whole body, the whole person. Not just dealing with the spirit, not just dealing with the mind, will and emotions, the soul, not just dealing with the body. Sometimes we just focus on one thing and not the others. But is there any effect, any carryover from one to the other, from the physical to the spiritual to the emotional, the mind, will, the emotions, is there any carryover? Is there any connection? Do they affect each other? The answer is yes, they definitely do. There is very big carryover. Bless you. There is very, very big carryover. They connect in very unique ways. I was recently at a, at a conference, and uh, the doctors were born again, and they were, some people had volunteered to try to get help for their problems that they were dealing with in their life, and uh, the one person who volunteered him came to the front of the room. There was uh, a bunch of health professionals in the room, and this lady in front of everyone shared her issues, uh, very personal. And the doctor started talking to her first about her spirit. And she was born again. And, and as far as she knew, living right before the Lord and, and, and in the Word. Okay, so, and, and fellowshipping with Christians. Okay, so let's move on to the next issue. What about, what about your, your diet, your exercise? What's your physical life like? If your spiritual world, your life is healthy, where is your physical? And she had a good diet. She had good exercise. You know, she was, she was careful about what she did. And okay, what about emotional? And she went red. And okay, she dealt with issues of unforgiveness. She couldn't forgive herself. She couldn't forgive herself for a lot of things. She couldn't, she couldn't get past that. And it was affecting her physical and her spiritual life. This is just one example, and so many of us are stuck in one place or another where we're not willing to get help for this one thing that we need help for. They carry over. How does your spirit affect your mental or your physical? Psychosomatic is when your mind affects your physical health. When we were in Bible school, um, there was one student who was always late for class, 
and, uh, and in, so this one day when he didn't show up for class, then the teacher and the students in the class all agreed we were going to, when he comes into the class, we were going to all take turns from then for the rest of the day, not all at once, just one after another, just regularly through the day, we were all going to comment on how he looked unwell. And so he comes into the classroom 10, 15 minutes late, and he says, I'm really sorry I'm late. And then right away, one of the students says, well, you really look like you're not feeling well. I'm sure you needed those extra 10 minutes of sleep. And he right away is like, what? And before noon, pretty much the whole class had talked to him about how unwell he looked, and he went to his room sick before lunch. Your mind, what you think and what you believe in your mind and in what's happening in your emotions affects your body physically. It really does. It can either be a positive or it can be a negative. It can either benefit your body, it can benefit your spiritual walk, or it can hinder you in both of those areas. And same with your, if your body is sick. So many people don't really believe it, but if they're not taking care of their body, it does affect their mind. It can affect the spirit when you're not taking care of it, thinking that you'll get the same benefit from eating a greasy fast food burger or eating you know, some fruits and vegetables and thinking it's going to benefit you the same way long term is just wishful thinking or possibly foolhardiness. The same thing comes true spiritually. If we think that we can you know, just listen to just any speaker out there and you never know what they're talking about and it does not agree with the Bible, which, you know, when I'm sharing things and I'm sharing things out of God's Word, if it doesn't line up, please, you all have a responsibility to let me know. And if we're filling our minds with things that are not correct, spiritually error, it will affect the rest of us. If we're filling our body with things that are going to hurt us, it'll affect the rest of us. If we're listening to lies and we believe lies in our mind, it's going to affect the rest of us. And if one part of us is hurting, it hurts all of us. There's a, a doctor that I've worked on reading some of his, his, uh, his works, and one, he made some interesting connections um, talking about how emotional things that we believe and which body system it affects directly, talking about dealing with anger. And I'm not talking about something happens and you get angry and you deal with it and you're fine. No, I'm talking about somebody who lives in a state of anger. They're angry all the time. You don't want to say the wrong thing around them because they're an angry person. It affects the heart. It deals with the pump, the blood, everything, moving it through your body, the cardiovascular system, when you're dealing with anger and not willing to, to get free of it. Guilt. Some people just carry this guilt feeling and they have peace. They should have a clear conscience but they just carry this guilt for no reason. I'm not talking with somebody who feels guilty because they are guilty and they need to deal with whatever they did. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about sin has been confessed, you've asked for forgiveness, and as far as you know, there isn't anything there, but just living in a state of guilt, it affects your nervous system, it affects your brain's ability to send signals to your whole body. Some people who, who deal with lust, and when I talk about this, it's not something that should be dealt with over a long time. It needs to be dealt with. And if it's not, it affects the endocrine system, your body's ability to send proper enzymes or hormones through the body to do all kinds of things that happen in the body. And if we're dealing with lust, it's not working properly. If we're dealing with bitterness, it affects the digestive system. And you know, if everything else in your body is perfectly healthy and everything is going great, 
but your digestive system isn't working, you will die. It will not take long. You will die. If you're otherwise perfectly healthy. If you're spiritually, for the most part, healthy, but you're not digesting God's word, you're spiritually dying. It affects you physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Bitterness prevents that system from working. Greed affects the immune system. Fear affects the respiratory system. Envy affects our bones, the musculoskeletal system, and our joints and our ligaments. There are connections. There are connections that are all throughout our body, our spirit, and our emotions, our mind, our will. Martin Luther, he decided that since the body wasn't so important, he, he joined that, that group of, this, this, they call it asceticism, where you would take a whip and you would whip your body to discipline your body and whip yourself again and again and again and again because you're trying to discipline and punish the body to keep it lower, to elevate the mind and the spirit. That's not the right way to do it. A number of years ago when I had a, a surgery that I needed to have, um, an umbilical hernia, um, I was about 35 pounds overweight, according to the doctor at the, sur- at, the, at the clinic at the time, and he said, you have two and a half months to lose this weight or we're not operating on you. Because he said, if your body's not in the right place, you're not going to heal properly. The body, the mind, the spirit, all need healing. And there is no one miracle thing that's going to solve all the problems. There just isn't. There isn't one miracle thing that fixes everything. There is no do this one thing and you're going to be okay. Because it might benefit you here, but then there's other things there. Just simply reading your Bible isn't the only thing that a Christian needs to do. We need Christian fellowship. Right? We need Christian correction and encouragement. And being a Christian isn't just the day you got saved, but it's a relationship with God that grows. We need to be growing in our relationship. Just like when we get married, marriage isn't the wedding day. Marriage is not the wedding day. That's not even really technically the beginning of marriage. Marriage starts in the wooing process before you marry, and it's like... It's like set in stone when you, when you have the wedding day, but then from there on, it's built on that relationship. It's the same with Jesus Christ. It's a relationship with Jesus, and it needs to be growing. There is no one-time miracle thing that we can do just once, and everything is good forever. God expects us to be going through processes with him. In Proverbs 17, verse 22, it says, A merry heart doth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. A merry heart does good like a medicine. Talking about an angry heart hurts your heart, but a merry heart is like medicine. A broken spirit dries the bones. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear? I don't know if you've ever visited someone who's sick or hurting, and you go there with the intention, you want to be a blessing to this person. You want to bless them. And you come away just so blessed. 
It's like, well, I was going there to bless them. But even though their body is infirm, has infirmities, their spirit is alive and well. I think one of the greatest examples, I should say maybe two of the greatest examples I can think of that are my, my brother-in-law, Daffy, to my father. Just as they were sick and, and hurting and dying, and yet the love and the encouragement that they poured out when you would visit them is powerful. Psalms 51 verse 16 and 17 says, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. Now you're going to say I'm contradicting myself. I was just talking about not being broken and not being of a contrite spirit. But let's continue. Psalm 34 verse 18 and Psalm 147 verse 3. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and save as such as be of a contrite spirit. In verse 3, he healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. So coming back to this, are we hurting? Are we in a spot where, where we're dealing with something, but God is revealing to us, this is the thorn in the flesh that we, we're, good, we're just going to have this. It's not the result of sin. It's not the result of a fallen world. This is the result of you're going to bring God glory through this. Is that the case? Or is God saying this is the result of, of you not doing something you should be doing? <laughs> this is maybe you sitting against your own body or against your own mind. You're believing a lie of the devil and this is what's hurting you. Get free of it. When we think about it, the spirit must be born again. The spirit must be born again and start that relationship with Jesus Christ. But we also then, hopefully, we have a desire, not just that we must be in God's word, but we, we, we should be in God's word because we want to be in his word and we want to continue that relationship. And when we're born again, God gives us a spiritual gift and we should be exercising that and growing in that, part of growing in that relationship. We should be listening reading God's word, hearing testimonies of other believers. These are things that build us up in the spirit and encourage us in the spirit and help our spiritual walk to be healthy. Some people hear the word holiness, and, and Jake mentioned that earlier this morning. Uh, maybe it was in the first service, talking about that we are a holy priesthood. Some people hear the word holy, and they back off, no, I'm, uh, I don't really like the word holy. But what about if you understood the word holy to really just mean a healthy spirit? That's really what holiness is, is the spirit is healthy and vibrant and alive. We think about, about the soul, and God's word in Romans 12 verse 2 says our, our mind needs to be transformed by God's word. It doesn't need to be conformed to the world or conformed to any specific mold. No, we're all different, but our minds need to be transformed by his word. Our mind needs... Exercise. It needs to be disciplined. Our emotions need to be under control, and we need to walk into situations already with a plan to forgive other people so that there's no unforgiveness that, that comes up. Right? We need that plan ahead of time. And our body needs to be dedicated to God. First and foremost, it needs to be dedicated to God. Our spirit needs to be born of God. Our mind needs to be transformed by the Word of God. And our body needs to be dedicated to God. And 
if that's the case, we need to challenge our body physically. We need to breathe clean air. We need to rest. We need to drink plenty of water. You know, there's so many things that we need to do for our body to keep our body healthy. Romans 12 verse 1 says we should give our bodies a living sacrifice to God. You know, over the years when I've been thinking about this topic and uh, I don't know, I could preach until probably next month on this topic and, and just never stop. There's so much here and I'm just giving you the tip of the iceberg. So I really hope that I encourage you by this to look into it for yourself and see, am I where I need to be spiritually? Am I where I need to be? Am I growing? Is my relationship with Jesus, is it exciting and dynamic or is it something I'd rather only talk about on Sunday when I'm in church? Um, how is it? Or how are, how are we mentally? Are we hurting? Are we believing lies about ourselves? Is our self-esteem through the roof that people can't even talk to us? Or are we so low that even when people compliment us, we turn it into an insult instead? Like, where are, where are we mentally? Are we believing the truth? And are we walking in peace there? What about our bodies? Are we taking care of them? You know, are we? Every one of them is a challenge. And if we're dealing with something and we need help, let's reach out for help. James 5 says, if anyone is sick, let him call the elders. We're supposed to share our burdens one with another. Sometimes, all it takes is using those things that you've been doing a lot right now for the last little while. These things, one on each side of your head, you've been doing a lot of that. Most of you haven't been talking, so thank you. Uh, but ears, ears to hear. Sometimes that's all that we need to use to help someone is just be willing ears to listen to what they're going through. It's not always about the advice that we give. In fact, it rarely is. I don't know how many times you've ever given somebody advice and they do something different, right? Like, it's not always about the advice. It's often about someone cares enough to listen to me. And that can bring healing. And that's something we can do for each other. Sometimes we also need the kind of more direct help where... Like for me, I, I don't get it when people hint at things. In fact, when Annie and I got married, we made it an agreement between the two of us. We were not going to just hint at things. We were going to be very direct and very clear. And what I mean by that is if we're in bed, the light switches across the room and we're done reading and talking and we want to go to sleep, we wouldn't say something like, gosh, it's bright in here. You know, one of us would either get up and turn the light off or we would say to the other person, will you please turn the light off? We're not going to do this hinting thing because I'm, I'm, I'm just not sharp. Things go over my head, no hair to stop it. It just goes. And uh, yeah, so I need things direct. So when people correct me with something, they need to be direct to me and say, uh, Billy, what's this all about? I need that. So sometimes we need that. Sometimes people need a gentler approach. John 14, 12 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, he shall do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. I remember the first time somebody explained this to me, to mean when we share the gospel with someone and they get saved, it's even a greater miracle than if Jesus raised somebody from the dead. And I, my first thought in my head, 
I'm ashamed to admit it almost, but it's the truth. My first thought was, that's a cop-out, and that's a cheap answer. How can you say that? Raising someone from the dead physically is the greatest thing that could ever possibly happen. But I have to admit, that was a very immature Billy that thought that. There is nothing greater than somebody being in the kingdom of darkness, under the control of the devil, and they are simply by believing and confessing. Romans 10, verse 9 and 10, you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, and you'll be saved, taken out of the kingdom of darkness and placed in the kingdom of light. That is the greatest miracle. It is the greatest work. And God chooses his people to do this, to share this truth with people. Greater works. We can be God's instruments of healing if we'll allow him. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23 and I'll close with this verse. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for how good you are. Lord, I ask right now that if anyone here does not know you as personal Lord and Savior, God, I ask that you would just work in their heart and knock on the door. And would you give grace, Father, would you help these individuals to be humble, to not resist that grace, but that they would open the door to you, Lord. Father, if there's anyone here like that, would you give them grace also to stay behind and ask for help if that's needed, Father. And Lord, if there's anyone here that's believing lies about themselves or someone else and, and it's hindering them, God, any lie would do that, would you? Would you share your truth? Would you bring that healing to our minds and our emotions? And Father, if there are those of us that are ailing physically, God, would you bring answers and give wisdom and insight on what can be done there as well? Oh, Lord, would you just, would you just answer these, these heart cries that we have? And I ask that you would bless us as we go from here. Would you bless us through the weeks? And Lord, would you just give us wisdom to not allow the devil, to not allow ourselves or the world to hinder us from what you would like to accomplish. And Father, if there is a thorn in the flesh, would you give us the grace to not just accept it, but to thrive in it, whatever that might be, whatever would bring you glory. In Jesus' name, amen.